It's a great honor and privilege to be among you and, and to work with, uh, with Pastor Katie and all the crew here this morning. Will you please join me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I was in fifth grade, and bell-bottom jeans were in, and I didn't have any. And because uh, my, my family had gone through a bankruptcy when I was like in first grade, and my dad came on as the custodian of the school, and so we were kind of making it, but we didn't have much extra. And so every year we went to a, a dis- kind of a discount place, you know, the sort of place that like has all the stuff that Costco didn't sell or whatever, you know. And so we went there every year and went clothes shopping, and I always kind of dreaded it, you know. But, but this summer, at the end of the fifth grade year, we're getting ready to go to the big school where all the high school kids were in the same building, and it's going to be in junior high, kind of a big deal. And uh, we went up to Tri-State in Moscow, Idaho, and my mom said, Terry, Terry, come here, there's bell-bottom jeans here. And the bell-bottom jeans, like, they, were, they, they looked pretty good, right? Um, and, uh, but they, they, they sort of were named in a way that wasn't all that hip. Um, they were named elephant pants. And it wasn't just like a little like leather, like little badge on the back. It was elephant pants emblazoned in, 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 by, by sewing on the, on the pant, uh, the pant uh, you know, the little uh, pockets back there. So you couldn't like to take that off. And I was a little dubious about this, of course, because as a fifth grader, going on to sixth grade, I thought to myself, you know, these guys, like they sort of got the pants that the bell-bottom jeans sort of look like elephant legs. But maybe elephant pants wasn't the best like label for a kind of a husky kid, you know? <laughs> but I thought, hey, they're bell-bottom jeans. Everybody will think they're cool. It's great. Except the problem was that my family forgot, apparently, to get the memo that boot-cut jeans were going to be in. So I get to school wearing my fancy bell-bottom jeans, watching them swish around on my ankles as I walk to school. And I got to school, and I see all the cool kids, especially the three bullies in the class, wearing boot-cut jeans. And how do you think I felt? Have, we, have you all been there at some point in your life? Right? And, and it was rough. And it was more rough than normal because we had those bullies. Everything kind of had more pressure. There was, you know, they, they just looked for any possible way to, like, put people down and make people feel small <laughs> and insignificant. Right? And so we've all been there. But... You know, I got to tell you, my church helped me a little bit because I could remember, even though it was hard during that sixth grade year, because those were the only genes I had for the whole year, right, that I was God's beloved child. So as a parent, uh, my daughters were in eighth grade. I had twin daughters. And uh, you know how eighth grade girls can be sometimes. I'm not talking trash about eighth grade girls. It's just sometimes they're hard on each other. Sometimes they're kind of a little bit like emotional cannibals with each other a little bit. And I could see at the basketball game my daughter sitting down with all the girls, only she was on the edge, right? Have you ever been that person? You ever sat on the edge? And all the cool kids are sitting in the middle and they're all looking and laughing at the middle and you're kind of on the outside looking in, you know, trying a little too hard, laughing a little too loud. Well, that was my daughter. And I could see her from up in the stands. I could watch this dynamic play out, right? And I want you to know it pained me. It pained me to my core. I could feel it in the marrow of my bones. It was painful. 
So as I went to pick up the girls, you know, from the bus that took them to the high school, I dropped my one daughter off because my other daughter was in pain. She was in serious pain. And she was like screaming in the car, like, why don't they like me? Why won't they accept me? How come they treat me that way? How come they say those things to me? And I want to say that like sometimes it's not all that great being a Lutheran pastor, but in that moment, like it was great to be a Lutheran, right? Because what did I do? I said, I said, honey, I want you to remember the thing we've always said to you. And we always did. We always said this to our kids from the time they were little kids. We'd ask them a question. We'd say, who are you? And they would say when they were little kids, I'm God's beloved child. And they'd say it with a grin and a smile on their face. And then when they got to be in about sixth grade, we'd say, who are you? And they'd say, God's beloved child. (laughs) You know how that goes. And so I I said to her, I said, Lauren, who are you? I said, who are you? And I said, honey, you are asking them to answer questions that are freaking them out. You're asking them to like confirm that like you're an okay human being. You're asking them to tell you that you're a good person. You're asking them to say that you're being alive is a gift. Like that's too much pressure on them. And you're freaking them out. And so they say mean things to you because they just don't know what to say. I said, honey, they can't give you something that you won't allow God to give to you. So I said, honey, who are you? She didn't answer. But she leaned over in the car, put her head on my shoulder, and she went to sleep in the car. She could rest in that minute, in the midst of all of her panic and anxiety, a combination of both internal forces, right? Human nature wanting to be liked and to be loved and to be affirmed, but then also being part of a larger culture in which we're always vying for status. We're always on some kind of pecking order, and we're hoping we're not toward the bottom, right? A combination of those two things, and for a moment, she could go to sleep and rest because she could remember, at least from a distance, that she was God's beloved child. Now, I don't know what pressures were on Jesus, for sure, but we do know that he was part of a bullying culture that the Roman Empire helped create, where everyone was always looking for status, always fighting for you know, some kind of identity in the community. And he goes down to the River Jordan, and what happens? He's baptized by John, and as he comes up out of the water, he hears a voice. And the voice says, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus hears the same words that we speak to each other in these assemblies, that we as Lutherans speak to our children and to our parents and sometimes have spoken to ourselves. We hear those words, who are you? And we're able because it's been drilled into us that we are God's beloved children. Now those words are far more complicated than that, and I won't go into that complication today, right? Because those are complicated words there that, that God says to Jesus. But immediately then, he's taken out into the wilderness. For 40 days, just like the people of Israel were out in the wilderness, and he's tempted. He's tempted with all the temptations that human beings are capable of being tempted with, and he's tempted in a way that his culture, that the Roman Empire was tempting everybody. What was the first temptation? 
said, well, you're hungry. So command the stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus says, quoting scripture, sometimes it's important to set aside things that we kind of want, that we kind of desire. Sometimes it's important to set aside whether or not you need boot-cut jeans in order to be cool, in order to remember that our lives have meaning and a deeper meaning that's given to us by God. And so he resists that temptation. Then the devil leads him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, look, Jesus, you're now the king. You're now the Messiah, dude. And if you just follow me, you just do what I tell you to do, I'll make you king of all the world, and then you can go along and you can make things the way you want. The problem is, then Jesus would have had to abide by their rules and play by their game instead of changing the game and building up a whole different kind of humanity from the bottom. And so what does Jesus say? He says, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. And then the devil takes him to Jerusalem and places him on the pinnacle of the temple and says, Jesus, jump off this, this pinnacle. Do some base jumping from the top of the temple without a parachute. And the angels will come, and guess what's going to happen? The angels will come, and they will stop you from hitting your foot even against the stone. They'll have you land ever so softly, and then guess what Jesus would have? Tremendous religious credibility and status. And what does Jesus say? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Our larger culture tempts us in so many ways to put immediate needs over meaning. It tempts us in so many ways to go along with the, the way things are and thinking that if we just get power in the way things are, we're going to be able to change it. But by that time, it's changed us so completely that we don't even know which way to move anymore. And it also tempts us to go for status, like Jesus was tempted in jumping off the temple. And I want to say right now, friends, that we in the church are tempted by this too. We are tempted because we think in our memory and through our experience that uh, Christianity is better than other religions. Now, I want to be clear. I grew up as a Lutheran kid. My whole life has been spent as a baptized child of God. The Lutheran church, all the members of the congregation, the pastors, my parents taught me who I am, that I am God's beloved child. I have eaten Eucharist at so many different tables taking in the body of Christ and recognizing that Christ lives in and through me, right? That is who I am. That is how God has come to me. It's around, it's in communities like this that I've learned how to respond both to myself and to others, how I've learned to respond to my daughter when she was in dire need and to remind her who she was. But there are times, church, when we are tempted to think that because God has come to us in this kind of community and in this tradition, that God is limited 
to this tradition. I get emails all the time, nearly every week, from someone who says, Pastor Kylo, do you believe that God can work through other religions? And my response to that is always the same. Okay? I say, what I believe about God does not in any way limit God because only God is God. What I can tell you is that God has come to me in the community and the tradition of the Lutheran tradition as part of the larger Christian tradition. And that has taught me that I'm God's beloved child. And that every single human being on the planet is made in the image of God and is precious and lovely and valuable and worthy of our deepest respect and love. But for me to say that God is limited in working in the world in the way that God has come to me, well, that, isn't that idolatry? Isn't that maybe just a little bit above my pay grade? Just a little bit? Because didn't Jesus say, didn't he repeat and affirm the two key teachings of the Abrahamic tradition? Love God more than your tribe and tradition and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's okay to have a tribe. It's okay to have a tradition. It's wonderful, in fact. We need them. But we must love the God beyond our idea of God more than that or else we are tempted to go into idolatry and to seek for kind of a religious status. And then, of course, the second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. It doesn't say your Christian neighbor. It doesn't say your neighbor like you. It says all your neighbors. And Jesus went on to say even the neighbors who currently are enemies, we must work for their well-being. I am a Christian I am a Lutheran, and I have come to find in this tradition and in this community who I am. Who I am. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Say it. God's beloved child. And in this tradition, we also recognize that there will come a day when all the nations gather around a table with a circle drawn wider and all of God's beautiful people, also God's beloved children, will join us there. I have come to find that in this tradition. I've come to find it for myself. And I trust the God that has come to me to find others, even if they're not a part of my tradition. Amen.